Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Art of Whatever, a music and art podcast that discusses all things <laughs> historical. And I thought you were, for a second, I thought you were going to go, hello, it's me, Dr. Nick, everybody. Hi, Dr. Hi, Nick. Dr. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> Is that how he goes, I think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so how is everybody doing? Oh, by the way, I'm Marcelino. I I can't remember the last time we've actually introduced ourselves. Oh, that's right. But, uh, yeah. I am Tony. And I'm Carlos. And we're here to talk to you about things, you know, like um, anything related to the arts. Um this is an NPR podcast. Uh, yeah, we talk all calm, so we're here. And sorry, talk radio. And this is NPR. With, what's his name? What, what, I know Terry guys? Gross. Oh, yeah, I know Terry, Terry Gross. Gross. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah. There's that one man, and then there has that little... Uh, doom, 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 doom. And then... Damn, I don't know. Is that, oh. is that the, the Texas Standard? <clears throat> is that what you're talking about? Uh, no. Uh, from All Things Considered. Oh, that's, yes. That's a, yeah. That's another one. Yeah. Should I be, should I be saying all of this? <laughs> that's all right. I mean, yeah. It's part of the banter. It's part of the banter. No, I mean, like... <laughs> You know what? They're public, oh, so they're, they're not public. Flag. It's not like they're gonna take us down. It's like, oh my god, Empire's <laughs> gonna take us down now. It's it's okay, guys. I've, I've donated five bucks to KTEP, so I think we should be okay. Okay, okay. And I will be donating uh, five bucks as well. <laughs> so how's everyone doing? I'm good. I'm uh, today. I had a. I managed to finish my homework on time, so I'm oh, not cool. like crazy rushing to to turn it in <laughs> oh yeah it's baby steps so yeah i'm good i'm chilling right now oh that's good no stress no stress enjoying a stego rattler nice raspberry rattler it's actually pretty good yeah hmm. you know I what think, i think oh, i think i might like it over the the orange the yeah the other one, the grapefruit one. The grapefruit. I never heard of it, to be honest. Although I did I find think... out that um, I didn't know that Topo Chico had like alcoholic drinks. Yeah, they they, they jumped on that whole uh, hard seltzer. seltzer trend and shit. Oh really? Yeah. Huh. So now you can get Topo Chico hard seltzer. I still don't understand the the fascination people have with Topo Chico here, like in the U.S. I've always liked the uh, the mineral water. Like my since you know we were kids, my my, my parents would buy like the cases of the uh, the Canada Dry one. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like not 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 the mineral water itself, but the brand. The brand like it has though. to be Topo Chico. If it's not Topo Chico, it's not it. Oh my god, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't get it. I, I, I do don't like it, it a lot. I, I feel like it's like one of the better ones, but I, I can see like the the question behind it, you know. Maybe my palate is not as uh, trained. <laughs> yeah, you uncultured no. uh... <laughs> swine. Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I, I think. Yeah, I think it's hyped up too. Hmm. 
and like Canada Dry is like the the poor man's. Um, Canada <laughs> Dry is the poor man's one. Seltzer. I, I never really understood. Uh, was it Lacroix? 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 Too much? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It has like f- five hundred different names. It's like it's like um, the Inuit. I think I think that's even more uh, bougie. Yeah, Lacroix is, is, is very and like in like I, I would taste them. It's just like oh, well, it's it's fine. I don't know. I was just used to regular mineral water, but like know. like Lacroix is the preppy one, and then Topo Chico's a hipster one, and then I would say everything so. else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man fuck NPR and fuck Topo Chico I'm just, I'm just hey I like Topo Chico uh, I can be I can I can admit that I'm the hipster that likes Topo Chico a lot no no I like it it just I don't I don't get the over I don't know see one of my friends told know. me he liked the Topo Chico over what is it the Agua Mineral that comes in the glass one like that's by the company that makes Jarritos har- 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 uh, he said he liked the Topo Chico one better because it had less sodium than that one. So I was like, "Oh, I guess." Oh, really? Yeah, that, that was that was uh, his rationale behind it. I guess, I guess I haven't tasted it because the the one we usually buy is the the I forget what it's called. It's the one from from uh, Food King, uh-huh. the one that used to be Big Eight. Yeah. Like whatever the brand is, they have their. That's the one we usually get. What like know? soda club or something? I probably make it some. Up. Yeah, something like that. Just you know, what what I like about mineral water is the burn. Like, I don't know. I just like the burn. I I do like that little like the the fizziness about it. But uh, for more uh, scintillating talks about mineral water. Do continue to uh, to subscribe to the art of whatevs. <laughs> Wonderful little segue there. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we always end up talking about seltzer, though. Is it just me? I may be wrong. It's not the first time that we talk about like mineral water. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, this has happened. I mean, before. I remember talking about beer and coffee, but we have talked Those about too. beer. Yeah. We should just change this to a, like a whole like beverage themed podcast, right? Imagine, yeah. And drinking. Uh, I mean, that's Pedialyte. that's an art too. That, that no, that is an art. Yeah, yeah. That uh, what is, is that art. you're drinking there? Is that Pedialyte? It is. Not sponsored. <laughs> We're not sponsored, but I did have a little bit too much scotch <laughs> last night, so mm. it definitely helps. I mean, you you do sound a little, you know, like. Down. Oh, a little down? No, that's just that's just me. You sound like shit, Tony. <laughs> you sound like shit. No, that's just my tired. normal me. I'm a little tired. No, no. Actually, not too bad. But no, I think that's just normal me now. That that's just me. <laughs> oh no. I don't know. I just I just meant you know like compared to to other times like the usual Tony. You know. Uh, yeah, maybe you know, I should have sound a little down. I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't saying it sounded like shit. I was just, you know. No, no, no. I, I, when I get it. you notice someone just a but, little down. When you notice, I think I mean, you said when you, you notice somebody sounding like shit. Uh... <laughs> That's funny. No, but I, I did feel a little kind of like low, not not low energy, but definitely just like, uh, maybe it's, it's like I said, just like a, a little hungover, hangover. But I should be oh. fine. The, the reason why I even brought up the Topo Chico is because um, 
it was Eddie's birthday like two days ago. Oh, cool. And, and yeah, and his his brother and uh, sister in law brought him like four different kinds for like his birthday. Oh, cool. Of what whiskey? No, Topo Chico, like the the oh, one that oh. I was talking about. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But the, the hard ones. Oh, the hard the hard liquor, the hard seltzer ones. The hard the hard seltzer. Topos. The hard topples. <laughs> the heck? <laughs> yeah, but it's it's because, well, yeah, they brought that. They brought him a whole bunch of stuff. One of the things that I thought was really cool that they got him was, um, the I don't know if you've seen them, but it's like a, a loteria, but it's like uh like the quarantine edition. <clears throat> I haven't seen that one. Uh, I'd have to show it to you. I I don't even know where you put it, but. But it's cool because like every every one of the the uh, the the cards are like the, the the whatever like like one of them is like it's like sweatpants or <laughs> well there's like one like like the one that's like the sun or el sol is is el fauci oh it's like <laughs> like what? dr fauci <laughs> or el like fauci. or like la, la botella is like a purell bottle oh <laughs> nice. Uh, oh, I do I see that I... you have the 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 rooster behind you. Like that's cool. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, that's actually um, Eddie actually got that for me whenever I did my last show mm-hmm. because my character was called El Gallo. So oh oh, that's that's, that's very what, appropriate. Yeah, so that's that. Yeah, that's why he got it for me, and it's been sitting there ever since. Well, cool. not there specifically because we've moved. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a. I've always wanted to have. Just, I think it's kind of specific, but like a loteria card, like a big one. And I always either wanted to get like, like El Musico or like the the, the music ones, but none of them ever applied to me because it was always the harp or like <laughs> mandolin or <laughs> yeah or the cello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even the El Musico has a, a guitar now or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so it yeah. wouldn't even apply to me either. <laughs> get you one well, the, the, the I was going to say, uh, yeah, right. exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, what, the clarinet, the voice? The voice? the singer, I guess. The, the voice? The euphonium? Oh, euphonium. <laughs> the, the, the trombone. The, the trombone. Uh, we can go oh, on that's and right, on. That's right, that's right. Well, you, I mean, you also but play the piano, too. We can go too. on and on, but this is not. The piano, that's right. Oh yeah, isn't there one with the with the piano? Why, why do I remember there being a piano? I haven't. I don't remember seeing any. Piano yeah. Ones. <clears throat> That's weird. I, I mean, there's know. one for me. Oh yeah, the tambor. Oh tambor. yeah. Yeah, I have the musico yeah. with the guitar. You and Mars can have the drunk. You can have the drunk Mars. <laughs> you know what? I'll be I'll be El Catrin. El Catrin. Oh, oh damn, damn. damn, that was a good one. Isn't that a butler, though? <laughs> no, no. Like, uh, that's like a person that, you know... Lets isn't it like a gentleman or something? Stuff. A what? Isn't that like like a, like the gentleman or something like that? Or Yeah, like yeah, thing? exactly. Yeah, 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 it's like... Yeah. Oh, well, I guess that like, makes sense. Like a, like a dandy. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, no, you're calling me a dandy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, well, like, all put together and stuff. Yeah. What should we just should we just go through all the cards? Because <laughs> dude, there's a lot of them. There is a lot of them. I haven't played Lotharian forever. Let's go through the 
Let's go through the trees. We have el árbol. We have el pino. <laughs> el pino. I think that's just two trees, no? Yeah, I think there's just two trees. Yeah, it's just two trees. <laughs> what is the history of La Loteria? Dude, I have no idea. I and why? Actually, the, yeah, me neither. Like, I remember my, my mom telling me that, like, when she would play, when she was little, they'd go to the halls and everybody playing Loteria, mm -hmm. right? But she says that the guy would yell it out, like, really fast, like, oh, this, 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 just, like, and just super quick. But that they sometimes would also do the one with the sayings before, like, uh, like I, I forgot what the saying. Oh was. yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Like, uh, um, yeah. Well, I can't remember any right now, but usually the card has the the saying. To the you. saying, like, right? Uh, like if you had uh, the rooster, it would be like el que el el. Like some, some lame, you know, like yeah, el despertador del del rancho, you know, for something to like to say something, you know. I just remember one that was vaguely racist. Oh no! No, I'm not gonna say. Oh, it. I mean, yeah. I mean, there is a card. Yeah. With a black man on it. Yeah, with a black man on it. And like I just remember it being like the same, being vaguely racist, or pretty dead on racist, actually. Yeah, it was it was, it was a bit minstrel, actually. <laughs> Yes, it was. Like it, it was the very. The picture itself. That's very. That's very true. But you know what? I think it's. I think it's been changed. I may be wrong. I think no, but I think it's. I think it's actually been changed from like the original. Mm -hmm. Whatever. I think it looks different now. I I may be wrong though. Well, I remember the. Or maybe it's because it's just the last ones I've seen. But like every every Christmas, well, except for this past one. Uh, for the, like the past ten years or so, we've uh, we go over to a aunt's house and we end up playing loteria. Cool. And but the the guys like also put together too. He has like one of those pork pie hats and like he's all decked out in a suit and oh yeah yeah I don't know like okay. all dressed up yeah and like not not like a pimp like dressed up dressed up I don't know uh, yeah I don't yeah. Know how to, yeah, I mean that should be like a topic, actually. You know, uh, yeah, like the history of the loteria. Didn't I think someone? I recently saw it, but I just can't remember the person's name or or where it was at. But like some some artist made a like a collection of pieces with like loteria influenced. Mm. Oh, and then I remember. I also remember. Remember, uh, Pablo. Excuse me. Pablo did that sort of loteria looking one too with uh oh no i think there were tar tarot cards tarot yeah cards. i think he did tarot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. every once in a while you, you 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 do see like an artist like oh this is my loteria or like they'll even do like a star wars loteria or something like that yeah yeah oh that's true that's true yeah um yeah but the tarot ones that you're talking about i think it was the um it was like um different like divas from like Singers. the decades yeah he had yeah, Madonna, he had... he had Saint Vincent. That's right. Those are yeah. the three I remember. Yeah, I don't know if he did more, but those are the, the ones I remember. That's pretty cool. I remember the yeah. Selena one. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty freaking cool. Yeah, actually, he he owes me a Selena one. <laughs> Damn, getting called out. So, so if you're listening, Pablo, I didn't even remember that t that that time that I had him on here, but. Yeah, now you know. It's out there. It's, it's out there. It's, it's in the <laughs> world. 
do y'all want to do, do you have anything else or do y'all want to start oh uh, we, we can start yeah we can start okay um since i am not going today um i will pick that no actually it's can we do like a randomizer thing or if not we can do like paper scissors oh, and see what yeah goes. i we mean we have we can we've tried that before <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh is it just gonna be paper scissors rock or just like one two three or like what's the deal here um so uh, paper scissors rock <laughs> paper scissors rock all right hold on give me one second let me open the door for my dog to get out because uh, he's kind of like no yeah go for it <laughs> <laughs> oh he's actually lucky yeah that's cool he's a uh... <laughs> oh well no you have headphones on, yeah i have the headphones hold on, let me let him out real quick Wow, damn. Come on, fool. Let's go here. Dude, like, I, I finished my homework because it was a little less than usual. Uh-huh. Or I guess I just took more time to do it also. But point being that, it like, last night I was doing the report. Like, I even had time to actually write it out on, <laughs> on the computer and stuff. Uh-huh. So I'm, like, prepared, prepared today. Because... The one for last week, I had like the the rough draft on on sheets of paper, like handwritten, mm-hmm. and like first page done, and I was already like, "Damn, I didn't like structure it." So I was like winging it. I was like, "Where's the <laughs> next thing?" Was the, the other well, that's part? what that that's what I did too, actually. Except I had uh, like I had it written down. From like the last time that I did mine, yeah. Oh, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even then, even then, I still didn't have everything like in order, which I probably should have. <laughs> Dude, like it really, it really does help a lot. The whole, um, like scripting, you know, the whatever we're gonna talk about. Yeah. Like you know, sometimes like I used to hear about it, and I'd be like. Ah, you know, it's like BS or whatever. It's too formal, whatever. But mm-hmm. now it's like, oh, it actually helps me out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's it, and it's kind of like, um, it, it's more of a guide as opposed to just like you reading it because like you obviously you can, you can read off of it. But the same at the same time, like you can, you already know, and you can always go back to it, and then it just, I, I yeah, it just I guess it becomes easier. <clears throat> yeah. So how are we gonna do this? Okay, yeah. Okay. So it'll be just paper, scissors, rock. Okay. So, or, uh, you wanna call it Mars? Okay. All right. Actually, I'll, 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 let's do rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, okay, paper, cool. scissors. Like, shoot. like do, do 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 a countdown. Do like three, two, one. Paper, scissors, uh, rock. Shoot. Okay. Shoot. Okay. Okay. All right. Three, two, one. Paper, scissors, rock. Shoot. Right, let's try again. Oh, well, damn. All right. All right. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. All right. All right. Three, two, one. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. You you so, go first. Car- or I go. Who, who, who was it? The loser or the winner? That went fog. We didn't establish this. Uh, the the, the winner go. The, win- the winner decides... Okay, let's 
Okay, no, no, no. The winner goes first. <laughs> okay. All right, then I'll go first. Then. All right, go okay. for it. I just get my notes here in front of me, man. Okay, so um, basically, like the the intro to my <laughs> to my topic today, I was gonna do this back in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was before mm-hmm. we knew how long we were gonna be on hiatus, <laughs> <laughs> and or, around that time, uh, that's when the Mandalorian was on. The second season of The Mandalorian. So thinking all things Star oh, Wars nice. and, you know, John Williams and whatnot, I was like, oh, I should talk about, like, the, the music of Star Wars. Or at least some of the music. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and that was going to be my segue, you know. I was going to be like, oh, have you been watching The Mandalorian? <laughs> oh, well, what do you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then boom but, uh, for like a couple months. basically yeah my topic is gonna be the influences uh of uh of john williams for the star wars music i'm gonna kind of tying it to last week i'm gonna bring up stravinsky at some point i mean we did talk we basically made the reference to to some mm. of the right of spring uh themes showing up on star wars oh yeah that's right yeah so that's gonna be one of the things that's gonna be brought up and it's gonna be pretty short i mean there's there's just so much music on star wars and that and you can basically link if not all most yeah. of it to to another piece of someone else mm-hmm. it's just impossible to go through the whole thing but before I, I go through the actual uh, pieces, I'm just going to do a quick bio on John Williams for, I'm pretty sure most people are aware of who John Williams is. Uh, I'm just going to give a little more, you know, fill in the, the details here and there. This is basically taken from his bio on on uh, Britannica, Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia Britannica. Born February 8, 1932 in Queens, New York. He's the son of a percussionist who worked for the CBS Radio Orchestra. And from a young age, you know, exposed to music, started studying, studying piano. He, like Mars, became a multi-instrumentalist. Uh, oh, oh, thank you. Me, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it always has to come back to me, obviously. He likes Topo Chico and uh, <laughs> only Topo Chico. <laughs> yeah. And, and lives in San Antonio? Uh, so, besides piano, he played trumpet, trombone, and clarinet. Dude, it's like almost the same instruments as Mars. Is this is this my future? Is this what that is? <laughs> I mean, you have the beard already, the glasses. You're gonna be composing on Star Wars. If you do, take us with you. Yeah, you, you need to find a, a director friend, dude. Uh, someone who directs, who's gonna become a Hollywood uh, blockbuster <laughs> movie maker. Oh, you know what? Sorry, this kind of a little bit. Off, it, it's totally off topic, but. Um, I found out that one of my coworkers, her dad, um, used to work for Televisa. Oh shit! Like, See, that's your in. As doing what? I mean, um, he was actually a musician. 
Oh, he was like a. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, like on shows and stuff, or yeah, yeah. Huh. All right. <laughs> you guys That's remember cool. um, uh, Rudy from Otro Rollo? Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Rudy. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Kind of like that. I mean, I don't. I, I'm sure he was more like back, like in. Like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, you know what I mean. Like he was part of the, the crew. Like like a house band. Yes, something like that. Uh, you know, I'd I'd have to ask her to be honest. She just told me. Well, because it was just it was just like, totally like wait 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 hold on hold on how like what the hell. Um, cause, cause they lived in, they lived in, in Mexico, Mexico for, city. Yeah. For like, mm. I, I don't know how long, but, um, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. I, I don't know where, why I went with that, but yeah. Um, anyway, sorry. No, I wonder what Rudy is doing now. Dude, for that, that, that's sure. also a very, that, that's, that's also like another, would you call it a cult reference? A uh, uh, Maybe like or more like a. I get what you're saying. Like I think it's more of a generational. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a generational thing. It really is. Oh, yeah, because I, I, I was gonna say like, is it more of a, um, like a Latino Mexa, a Latinx or a Mexa thing? But like, it's like no, because I think it's more oh, of a generational. Because yeah. like, you know, like how yeah, long yeah. I guess it depends. Ramones has been. If it's any person like close to two thousand and up. I don't think, yeah, I don't think they're. Yeah, no, I don't think they're. I don't think they're there for it. Such an innocent. But yeah, yeah, so he played trumpet, trombone, clarinet. Um, in 1948, uh, the, the whole family moved to Los Angeles. And there he continued studying composition privately. He went to uh, University of California. And in 51, 1951, he was drafted to the Air Force. Uh, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't um, a soldier per se, you know, like he wasn't on the ground fighting, yeah. I guess. He, but uh, he worked more with the, with the, on the music side. Mm-hmm. He arranged. Oh, of course. Yeah. He arranged band music. He conducted the ensembles. <laughs> You know that's what I was. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry. No, no, about my, Sorry, breaking about myself, no. but that's what I actually wanted to do. Like, not that long ago. Like join the army. Yeah. Or the air force. Uh, well, not the air force specifically. I, I don't even remember what ratchet was. But the military. Yes, the military. But I would, I would do it with like more of, like, through the music part of it. You know, um, the the girl I work with at uh, at the store. Mm-hmm. I was talking to her because, well, she's, um, her boyfriend is in the Air Force and she's going to go visit him because the guy's stationed in North Carolina, I think. And so I had never asked her, like, so, you know, like, what does he do? So I finally asked her and she's like, oh, he works, he works in a, in an office and, uh, he's like one of the people that once people are, are done with their service like he'll set them up with the like the whole thing for the benefits and pension and all that kind of stuff yeah and like like does he fly is he gonna fly and she's like no he can't fly because uh because he's colorblind and i was like what 
and then uh so i just started you know like i just started getting more and more into the uh-huh. conversation and i was like so that's like his his service like in the office and she was like yeah that's his you know that's what he does like he can move up but like he's never gonna fly planes or you know right like uh i guess i don't know if that's what's called well active active yeah active duty, duty? i think i think so People fight terrorism in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting, you know, because all my life, you know, yeah. you think military, army, whatever, Air Force, whatever, you're like, oh, well, there are, you know, soldiers going in and doing stuff. Yeah. I guess we all have this image of, like, you know, it's like, oh, in the military, I already imagine somebody, you know, with the gear on, running, doing their mm-hmm. thing, but you, you you don't think about like, oh yeah, like you also need administrative people there to, you know, handle like the day to day stuff, like you know, like that. That's a big thing, you know, giving somebody their their benefits after they leave. But yeah, but yeah. Well, and well, and I'm sure it's not like um, like how it used to be. It's like the the one ex- main example that I remember is like like being flat footed. How like that was just like. Be like, oh, you you, you can't join. I, I don't know if you couldn't join or if it was kind of the same situation where like you'd be able to join, but you'd have to like do administrative stuff as opposed to being active duty. Mm. But I'm sure it's I'm sure it's so much more different now. Yeah, it just you know caught me off guard. I was like, oh wow, all right. Mm. Well, that's that mm. sounded pretty cool actually. <laughs> so if that's the job, that, that's a lot easier than. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Shit. Uh, but um so yeah so he joined the air force uh on the music side uh he um he left in 1954 when he was done with with the service and then he went on to juilliard for a bit to study piano and he actually worked for for a bit in new york as a jazz pianist oh wow i didn't know that i mean you know I guess it, well, I was going to say, I, I don't know how successful or not he was as for, with that side of things. What year was he, uh, was that that he was a jazz pianist in New York? So, so this was right after uh, 54, you know, like mid 50. So I guess bebop was, was, on, was on its in, way out and it was going into hard bop, you know, like Art Blakey and. Oh, yeah. And then eventually, well, yeah, Miles in 59 with the whole modal thing. Because that's what I was wondering. It's like, oh, man, was he around like those guys? But I mean, I'm pretty sure he was. But I mean, Mm -hmm. was he like with the crew? Who knows? I don't know. Uh, Yeah, right. Only John Williams knows. Um, And uh, and after a stint, he went back to California. And he started getting work as a studio pianist for movies and TV shows. He worked on as a musician on on uh, Some Like It Hot, on West Side Story, uh, To Kill oh. a Mockingbird. So this was already, well, yeah, see, like uh, Some Like It Hot came out in 59, West Side Story 61, mm-hmm. To Kill a Mockingbird 62. So, you know, by that time, you know, he was already out of uh, New York by 59. And then uh, once he got in as a musician, eventually he started getting work composing uh, music. Um, he wrote music 
for a show named Wagon Train and then for Gilligan's Island. You know, that's the show I know, you know, Gilligan's Island. And then in the set. It's surprising. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder if I ever saw the, you know, because I remember watching the show. They would, in Spanish though. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember if I actually, I mean, I meant I don't remember ever seeing, you know, like credits or like music, John Williams. Oh, yeah, yeah. John Williams, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember watching Gilligan every once in a while, but I don't remember the the, the theme song. I, I just remember it was... But I, but I don't remember the, the lyrics. Uh, but yeah, it was like a sea chanty kind of thing. Of course. Yeah. And and then uh, in the 70s, that's when he started composing for movies. Um, oh, the, the, the dog? The howling yeah, dog? The, the, yeah, that's the other one. She, she howls whenever uh, there's ambulances. Ah, okay. Wow. No. <laughs> I think she stopped. Sorry. No, it's okay. it's okay. uh, in the 70s, he started uh, composing for uh, movies. The Poseidon Adventure was one of them, which I I also kind of remember seeing it. They used to play it on, on uh, TV Azteca, like every once in a while. It was an older movie, like uh, kind of like Titanic. You know, it was a, a ship sinking, and so basically, the 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 people had to, you know, because they were at the bottom of the ship, they had to like go through levels. Oh, is oh, is it? Yeah, I think I remember you talking. The only reason I remember it is because I think they there was a Treehouse of Horror episode from like that they parodied that. I, I think so. I, it might be. I'm sure it, it, it was. It flipped. It, it flipped over, right? I or, dude, I I don't remember the plot. I just remember they had to make it like from the bottom to the top, yeah, and like yeah, every yeah. level was like you know, oh this level's on fire. Oh this level is all like the freaking electric wires are all over the place. Oh this level is you know whatever, you know there's I don't know freaking bees on fire that will electrocute you. Holy so, shit! Yeah, like something, <laughs> some crazy but, stuff. I think you're describing Super Mario. Like, <laughs> that's just uh, that, that 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 turned into Sharknado. <laughs> well, I mean, this is you know like the precursor to all those disaster movies. Mm-hmm. That's true. But um, so yeah, he worked on that, and then in in '72, that's when he met Spielberg, and he scored his first film, which uh, is called The Sugarland Express. From 1974, I've never seen it or heard about it. Neither have I. But that was in 74, and that's when, you know, things picked up after that, because the next year in 75, that's when when he made Joss. So Uh, from then on. Wow, Dan, that's a quick rise. Yeah, dude. (laughs) Well, I'm sure before that, you know, he had already worked on like TV shows and stuff. TV shows. And hell of a way to like to, to make a mark with like a theme like Jaws. Even that dude, like uh, there's a ton of videos, a ton, a ton. I like a like you just type um, John Williams, uh, 
comparison music or something like that, you know? Yeah. And yeah, like even Joss has a comparison to Zvorak uh, 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 Ninth Symphony, something, something New World, oh, I think wow. it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the New World Symphony. Yeah, so like the like the rhythm that, da -da, da -da, da -da, da -da, da -da, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Well, oh, Mars cool. knows. I the only reason I knew it is because I you know I was doing the the research uh -huh. for this. But even that Mars is much more cultured than all of us. Even that is uh, quote unquote borrowed. Yeah. But uh, you know, uh, uh, Williams and Spielberg, they're kind of you know. They're not exclusive to each other, but they do work a lot together. So it was Joss in 75, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind in 77, uh -huh. E.T. in 82. Damn, I that's I didn't know it was that old, E.T. I thought it was more e. like late 80s. in 82? I thought it was late 80s, too. Yeah, I guess, I guess not. E.T. Yeah. Uh, e. and then Indiana Jones, all of them. Um Jurassic Park, Schindler, Schindler's List, uh, Saving Private Ryan, Lincoln, and there's more, but, you know, just to kind of give an, an overview. And, and he is pretty much, well, not pretty much, but it sounds like a, like he's like Spielberg's, Spielberg's guy, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's kind of like a, I don't know, I, well, like what uh, uh, Nolan and Simmer have now. Exactly. I mean, did didn't he also do like the Harry Potter ones? Mm-hmm. He did the first three Harry Potters, and which he basically came up with, you know, like the the main theme, the bam 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 bam. Yeah, that whole thing. That's true, dude. Even that. There's another piece that I forgot now, but even that. Yeah. That's taken from like another composer. I'm like, dude the hell <laughs> i mean i guess it's like that's that that thing like what's that saying you know the good artists borrow the best artists steal yeah but like for real <laughs> like for real <laughs> uh he did superman too you know uh, mm -hmm. the the christopher reeve one and i mean he's worked on too many films to list to, to list Man, but that was uh that was a brief overview. I just went up to to Spielberg because after that, you know, that's what most people know about. You know, once he became yeah. famous. Yeah, of course. And um, so, moving on to the actual influences and in the pieces. Uh, the the first one that I'll talk about is is Wagner, Richard Wagner, mm -hmm. uh, but he more because it's sort of a structural thing um with wagner you know he created the the leitmotif um which for those who don't know uh leitmotif is um a musical phrase that's linked to a character mm -hmm. uh, so you know in star wars once you start hearing hearing that that you know, it's like, oh, fucking you, Vader's coming Oh, up. shit, Darth Vader. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, even the same thing with, like, Luke, 
theme, you know, I forgot what it is. Now I have Harry Potter stuck in my head. But yeah, like they have their own little. <laughs> and that's the thing. Theme. They're all catchy. They're all like you can. But they're fucking catchy. You can get them mixed up. If you get one in your head, it's like, okay, take it off so exactly. I can think about the next one. Exactly. But uh, so that's that's the, um, the biggest structural influence per se. Uh, just because you know he he has certain music assigned to certain characters, of course. And once he has that figure, you know he can just tr move it around if he wants to make it major, minor. If he wants to slow it down, mm -hmm. make it longer, shorter. You know the whole thing. I mean, especially on... you you can hear it in a different in on, on the the scene, right? Like if it's a sad scene, he just gets that same theme, makes it minor to be like, oh. Yeah, exactly. Luke Skywalker sad now, or something like that. Exactly, which is actually a pretty cool thing. It's like a ton of ways of changing it, or, or even just it can, it can still be the same figure, but instead of playing with the full orchestra, like he'll just have a French horn do the the line, and it sounds, you know, oh, now yeah. it's like desolate and lonely, and of course. So Wagner would be the the um, structural influence. And especially with the whole uh, ring cycle and, you know, the whole opera side, Star Wars, it's three parts and, well, at least the, the original uh, trilogy. But even then, you know, uh, uh, Lucas since then had the whole idea about, you know, continuing the story and... Of course. Let me, let me go here. Another one of the... the Sources I used was from, uh, speaking of NPR, Classical Minnesota mm. Public Radio. Oh, cool. Um, there's a whole list that they ba they basically do a, a breakdown. It's, if you find that um, article, it's really nice. It just goes piece by piece. But cool. about Wagner specifically, mm -hmm. they say, uh, were the ordinary film going gore most conspicuously hears Wagner in Star Wars is in the brass lighting theme for Darth Vader and his evil empire which is distinctively reminiscent of Wagner's music for his majestic Valkyries which uh, right of the Valkyries oh yeah exactly if anyone knows uh, the Coppola movie damn it see now I'm blanking I want to say platoon, but it's not platoon. Um, um, no, I, th I think you're thinking. Damn, I put myself ah, on the damn. spot now. Ah, like is is it's not, not platoon, but the other one with Brando. You're talking yes, about, right? Yes. Yeah. Let God, me, what is let, it? Called? Let me let me get the title now that we have the internet here. Ah, <laughs> dude. Well, let me open the door for my dog real quick. Give me a yeah, second. go for it. Go for it. Let's see what's. See, that's why you shouldn't ever put yourself on the spot now. But that's why we have Google, right? Let's see, Francis Ford Coppola movies or films. See. What is it called? Let's let me get it right here. Apocalypse Now. Oh my God. Apocalypse. How the fuck did I forget that one? Apocalypse <laughs> Now. But yes, there's a very yeah. famous scene where there's helicopters the helicopter coming up. Yeah. And it's how, the music. Forget Apocalypse right now. Dude, for real, dude. <laughs> I always, dude, whenever that happens, for always Platoon always comes to my mind first. I don't know why. 
I, it's not even Coppola, but they came around the same time, no, right? Did they? Nah, I think they do have like a good chunk of time, like if not ten years, yeah, a good... probably almost ten years. Cl- close to ten years, yeah. Anyway, but yes. So if uh, the the brass, the the a lot of the brass work on on Star Wars is very reminiscent of Wagner as well. Next up is Tchaikovsky. Tchaikovsky, if you know the Nutcracker, you know that's mm-hmm. that's uh, composed by Tchaikovsky. Uh, for the scene in um, where uh, where um, R two D two and C three PO they're on the on that desert and they're lost and they're just looking. I think they're looking for Luke. I think Obi Wan. Oh, they're like okay. Oh no! Yeah, when they get when they get uh trapped by those little monster thingies, the Jawas. Yes, the Jawas. There we go. You're exposing me to be a super Star Wars. Dude, it's because I don't. Okay with it. I, I'm not a Star Wars person. I mean, I don't dislike it. I just never got into it. Uh, But yeah, the Jawas. Uh, The Jawa theme. It's called Jawa Sandcrawler, and so that music is very heavily inspired by Tchaikovsky's Arabian Dance, which is a part of the Nutcracker. Um, mm-hmm. It's also known as the Coffee Interlude. Um, so huh. for all these pieces that I'm going to name, if you can just go again on YouTube and search up, you know, John Williams, Star Wars music, compar- or just John Williams comparisons. You're gonna find all of this stuff, and you're gonna be like, "Oh my god, that's true!" What? And then for uh, Han and Leia's uh, love theme, he he uh, got that from Tchaikovsky's Violin Concerto in D, and it's just very like once you hear it, you can't unhear it. <laughs> So that's for Tchaikovsky. Uh, then moving on to, I think this is the most iconic. I mean, besides the main theme, the, probably the Imperial March is, you know, the most recognizable music uh, for Star Wars. Of course. <clears throat> and I think this also this is also the most well known, or well, I guess, I guess within. Music aficionados, you know, it's most well known that the music for the Imperial March is based on Gustav Holt's uh, Mars, Mars the Bringer of War. So Holst composed a suite uh, called The Planets. Uh, He composed it between 1914 and 1916, which was more modern than I legit thought it was in the 1800s late 1800s and at the time there were seven planets earth like he didn't include earth so there were seven planets mm. besides Earth, and he made a suite for each one and each planet oh each planet is um a roman uh, god so in this case mars the uh, bringer of war that were you gonna notice right away is in the um, in the percussion. You know how the imperial march is done. Yeah. 
it's very similar to to Mars, but I think what Williams does is he makes it he makes it in a way to put it in a in a general sense he makes it pop because in in I see okay yeah with Holst he he has the March thing as well but it's a little more like the pattern doesn't re- repeat as fast. There is a pattern, oh. but it's more spread out. So you have to listen more to grab onto it. Whereas, so is it kind of like that staccato? Would it be called staccato? Yeah, I guess that staccato feel that Williams that makes that dun 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 dun. dun. I yeah, think. exactly. Okay, that's what you mean. Exactly that thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But you know, with 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 uh, the Imperial March, like right away in the, in the first bar, you probably already know it's like, oh, Star Wars. Uh, oh yeah, exactly. Whereas with Holtz, you know, it's more spread out. And uh, fun fact, this is also where Black Sabbath got the riff for for Black Sabbath. You know that boom, boom, boom. It's that that's like the exact opening line to oh shit to yeah like note for note bum bum so they uh, got that from the 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 the, comp- the composition or from, from Williams no no from the composition from from because oh, comp- uh, yeah because yeah. Yeah, Black Sabbath came out in what sixty nine. 60, yeah, I think 69, and then, well, obviously, the Star Wars one was, like, in 77 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Star Wars was a little later on, so, and I mean, I even uh, even in interviews, um, Geezer, Geezer Butler uh, says that, he's like, yeah, we were trying to tr- play Mars, and we just oh, we, ju- huh. we just kept that in. It sounded good, and Ozzy put lyrics to it. Actually, no, 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 Geezer is the one that wrote the lyrics. Aussie just sang. Oh, okay. But yeah, fun fact, you know, from from the planets, you get mm-hmm. a ton of sci-fi music, but uh, in this case, you know, you get Imperial March and you also get Black Sabbath. Cool. And then for the main theme, for the main theme, Williams borrows from a composer from the 30s and 40s named or who was named, Eric Korngold, with a K. Korngold with a K. Okay. He was an Austrian-born uh, prodigy. Uh, he emigrated to the U.S. around World War II because of the whole situation. And he right away, well, maybe not right away, but he eventually became one of the the premier composers in Hollywood for, for that era, the thirties and forties. So the adventure movie, he scored a, a a version of Robin hood and many other movies. One, one of them being in 1942, it was called King's row. Again, as soon as you listen to it, you're going to be like, how, (laughs) how did it get away with this? How? Yeah. The the whole opening the bum 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 but that whole thing lifted like straight off the just like almost like note for note yeah like almost dude like I'm pretty yeah, sure I, I don't think it's the same key but 
-huh. once you hear it, dude, you're going to be like, how? How? It's the exact same thing. <laughs> da, da, just a little slower, not as fast, but it's the oh, exact boy. same thing. Yeah, there's differences, but even like the, the, the resolutions and the cadences, like it's the same thing. Like, oh, what the fuck? it's insane, dude. It's insane how similar the. I had no idea he had like lifted so much to the point where it was like, like that, like dead on. Yeah. And I've been doing it wrong this whole time. It's interesting. There's a, a video on YouTube which, well, I, I should have linked, which I didn't, but the, it's about the history of uh, temp music for movies. So, okay. you know how, um, like, they have a cut of the movie, but the, the score isn't written yet because they haven't gotten to that part. The director will have pieces of music put in place as placeholders and then go to the composer and be like okay so this is where we're going for this is these these are the references mm -hmm. but eventually directors became so used to the temp music or so or just liked it to the point where they were like nah this is staying you know um, yeah or if we're gonna compose something new it has to be basically a ripoff this. of this <laughs> And, that that makes more sense too. Yeah. So, the 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 that video was making the point that how come um, most action movies today just sound you know like bah, bah, that whole that yeah. whole Hans Zimmer mm. thing, and uh, how come they're not as melodic or as you know that, that whole deal. Uh -huh. uh, and that was one of the points that he was making. And so, like, this this plays into that in that, uh, you know, Lu Lucas had ideas already, and he had, again, temp tracks. Um, I think he actually did have some Wagner tracks already. And because mm. Lucas was, uh, you know, that that whole era, you know, Lucas and uh, and Scorsese and Coppola, they were, they were all very influenced by Kubrick, who was just like, the, I guess the the senior to their freshman. I, I see. Uh, and since Kubrick had done um, Space Odyssey, and he had used the spoke Zarathustra, and that whole basically that whole movie is uh, it's the the, the music is uh, classical pieces. Um, yeah. So Lucas had he wanted to do that as well, you know, like Kubrick. Yeah, and I'm. My guess is that that is why he had the the, the music like that. You know, he's like, okay, I'm just gonna, and I'm not taking anything away from Williams because I mean, even though it it is lifted, you know, there is enough to to say like, okay, uh, it is like too influenced, but at the same time, okay, he moved enough stuff around that. He could get away with it. Um, it's not copied exactly, but it's just enough to be a little bit different. Yeah, you know, like when they when you turn in stuff uh, at school and they oh. make it go through that copy thing, whatever it's called, and they're like, "Oh, uh, twenty percent or whatever." Yeah, you know, like I, it kind of lifted from this, but not not exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know that kind of thing, but. Um, mm -hmm. 
I'm guessing that's how he got away with with that. Especially because, I mean, I don't know how much uh, um, soundtrack collecting and and that kind of stuff played into this. Because I'm guessing this is when it started with, you know, that whole Star Wars mm-hmm. disco theme and however many remixes of it there were, which mm-hmm. back in the 40s, I don't think, you know, oh, let me collect the... You know, the freaking soundtrack to this movie. Yeah. Uh, another fun fact. One of the one of the actors in that movie, Kings Road, was Ronald Reagan. And again, I took this this from from the Minnesota classic uh, or uh, public radio. Mm-hmm. One of the actors was Ronald Reagan, who would go on to become president. And, and when he was president... Uh, one of his, uh, he had a, a missile defense system, which he was going to call Star Wars, or he called Star Wars. He did call Star Wars. And his nickname for the Soviet Union was the Evil Empire. So in a weird sense, you know, things come full circle. Yeah, there's a bit of a, like some, some matches there, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, moving on now to the, to link this to the past episode, there's a Stravinsky lift as well. I'm gonna call this a lift because this one, this one is like the most blatant one. This one is okay. To like, this is like if I don't know, like eighty or ninety percent of this essay was copied, <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, he there's a in that same scene where they're going through the desert. She she through Pio and R2D2. Uh, that part of the score is called the Dune Sea of Tatooine, and for that one, he lifted. It it doesn't have a name. the The section of the Rite of Spring it doesn't have an actual name, but mm. it's the section where they're picking the the girl for the sacrifice in the dance. Okay, I think I know which one. But so that's if you want to look for it, anyone out there listening, if you want to look for it. Look for the part of the of the dance of the ballet where they're picking the girl for the sacrifice and the rite of spring, and then compare that to that scene where C three PO and R two D two are walking in the desert. It's it's basically the same thing. It's that that music where it sounds like a siren, and it kind of like faces in and out. Yeah. Dude, that is too. That is too much. Too, too, too. too it's right to the T. Yes, like there, there's also a video on YouTube where they play both on top of each other. Like, there's uh-huh. no way to tell. There's no way. To, like that one is even in the same key and everything. Wow. God damn. Um. The the last one I'm gonna talk about is the the theme where at towards well at the end of star wars where they're having that real uh big party uh the leia's handing out the medals and you know chewbacca gets mm. one and uh oh no he didn't get one ha- oh he did- oh that's right well han gets one all right and uh yeah. luke and then there's like the the four spirit of obi-wan looking or yoda or that scene you know which scene 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're having all the party and la da 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 So for that one, it's I think that one's in sections. So because I remember that one starts with uh, bum, 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 it starts with a real heroic theme, epic, mm-hmm. and then once that goes away, it gets into a more uh, mellow theme. So that part. That's taken from Pomp and Circumstance, like the one everyone walks to when, when you uh, graduate. Uh, which was written by by Algar. It's it was a set of marches um, called Pomp and Circumstance. And basically he takes that for, for that scene, you know, everyone's getting their medal, mm-hmm. everyone's like, Yeah, 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 we won and so, you know, basically <laughs> Same as a graduation, I guess. And you're like, yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's a celebratory thing, you know. Like, come on, walk yeah. up, get your medal, get your diploma, get your medal. Dude, I that's right. I forgot he doesn't get a medal. He just, I mean, he, he stands get, there, but he, he doesn't get anything. Yeah, and I know, like, like it, people have like always pointed out, like, why doesn't Chewbacca get a medal? Which I agree, why, why doesn't he? But I think they even added yeah, something I think that's why... to a different movie. To like make I don't know this whole thing, like an added yeah like an extra something. Mm-hmm. Just as a quick little outro here, I pulled a quote from John Williams himself that he gave to to uh, the website StarWars.com. He talks. It's basically a an interview about his whole. I mean, it's focused on Star Wars, but basically about his whole career. But there was this this main part that I latched on to because it he just explains it himself. He says um, this was back in '98. He says I've been particularly fascinated with the emigres from Europe in the 1930s. People like Max Steiner and Eric Korngold, but also Vernon Duke and Kurt Vile, uh, not to be confused with. <laughs> With uh, Kurt Vile, yeah, like, Kurt Vile. <laughs> this Kurt is it's spelled W E I L L. Oh, okay, yeah, but it's still pronounced Vile. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, damn, like John William, like, like, sort of like rock out some cool shit. <laughs> Time traveler, Kurt Vile, exactly. Um, <laughs> so, so yes, he says, uh, Vernon Duke, Kurt Vile, uh, Emmy Grace, who came. With directors Billy Wilder and Ernst Lubitsch to Hollywood, all these people are immigrants. Uh, mm-hmm. They brought the tremendous European culture. In a certain sense, my colleagues and I are the artistic grandchildren of these men. We have been the beneficiaries mm-hmm. of a rich tradition that grew up here in the early days of sound in the 1930s and 40s. So right there, you know, huh. he brings up the names. He brings up of all these guys he's like lifted from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I guess that that's one way of wearing your influences on your sleeve. You know, just pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's that whole thing of um, there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> I, I guess so. Or that whole thing if you're gonna steal still from the best, you know, you can come up with a whole lot of stuff too. With a whole litany of stuff to. To uh, reason it or to make exactly, 
<laughs> but but yeah, that's basically it. One one other video I wanted to to bring up. It's this is more just for entertainment purposes. There's a channel that we've spoken about here before. It's called Two Set Violin, and they have a video of them reacting to them watching oh. the the comparison videos. And so, oh, I see. You know, just kind of funny because, especially again with the Stravinsky part, they're like, it's just the same. What he just told me <laughs> from Stravinsky. But yeah, that that's one to watch. Just look for Two Set Violin. Um, John Williams, Star Wars, and it'll come up. That'll be the first mm -hmm. one to come up. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess you're right. If you're gonna steal, steal from the best. But I, I'm, I'm gonna watch these. But like, it, it wouldn't surprise. Yeah, it's it, well, it's not gonna surprise me. Ah, it is gonna surprise me. I feel like how much they're gonna be like so similar. I guess that, that's interesting. No, yeah, like I'm telling you, once you hear the the first for the main theme, especially. It's and the main theme and, and the Stravinsky part, like those are just straight up, straight up, like, damn, dude, just ripped them off. I wonder, I wonder if those, <laughs> if some of those people, like, actually got to hear some of them. Wow, no, it's because they're all, they seem, I think Stravinsky died in 70, early 70s. Um, Holst, who knows, dude? Holst, I have no idea when he passed, but Tchaikovsky was gone mm -hmm. already. I don't know. I wonder if there was anyone that he took stuff from that actually got to hear and be like, motherfucker. Is that this son of a bitch? Or, I mean, I would imagine even maybe descendants being like, hey, this is like my father's or my grandfather's. Oh, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. That's you know. true. That's true. Like the estates, that's right. The estates is like this guy straight up ripped us. Speaking off. of that, I was just listening to um. Th did you watch? Did you watch the latest video from Adam Neely where he talks about Ed Celine Dion singing? Um, oh my God! Now I'm gonna I'm gonna blank on the name. My of heart the song will go again. on. Dang it! No, no, no! It wasn't one of hers. It was a uh, like a '70s song. Uh, well, I'll come up with the title, but the point being is that the composer of that song took the the main changes and and parts of the melody from uh, Rachmaninoff uh, concerto, I think, piano concerto, and uh. and then because apparently, and this is all in in the video and Adam Neely's video. Because apparently he thought that Rachmaninoff's music was already in public domain, and it wasn't. And the estate oh. sued him and stuff, and they got credit. Uh. So now that song has Rachmaninoff's name as composer. <laughs> oh, shit. But yeah, it's, very, it's pretty interesting. That, that is interesting, huh? I'm going to check that, that shit out, because that, that sounds really cool. Like I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how much... Exactly, it's like, is it 80% like the other one you said was like 100% just lifted from Stravinsky? Yeah, that one is just too much, dude, for real. For real. <laughs> good job, man. That was good. Thank you, thank you. I guess I should just make the disclaimer. Oh, um, I just had to leave for a little bit, so I didn't talk a lot. So it's because I was gone. Uh, adulting. Adulting, yeah. <laughs> Mars was actually asleep on the couch. 
<laughs> the entire time. It was, yeah, it was so the entire boring. time. I was like, nah, I'm out. <laughs> Luckily, the mic was on mute, so you didn't hear him snoring. Sorry. <laughs> Talking in my sleep. Exactly. <laughs> Talking shit about everybody. Man, fucking Tony, <laughs> fuck that guy. <clears throat> you know what's funny? Um, the night the night before, I had a... I've been having weird dreams, but I think it's because I've been eating late. Um, okay. And the, the, at one point, um, uh, Serena Williams was on trial for something. What? <laughs> what the hell? And um, and at one point, they asked her, the, the, um, who do you think your rip biggest rival or your biggest competition is? And um, she... It was super dramatic, and she's just like, it's Venus Williams. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. I, but I, I could swear that she pro- I think she called her Venus instead of Venus. Ven- For a split Spanish. second, I thought you were gonna she, that, that you were gonna say that she said you were her. <laughs> she just looks straight in the camera and tells you. In the camera, <laughs> looks at, looks. At this is a dream you had. Yes, yeah. And it was just like a small part of it too. Like it wasn't even like the main dream. All of a sudden uh, it's just her on trial. <clears throat> um sh- should I start? Yeah. Okay. Go for it. So <laughs> You hear my dog howling? Yeah. Sachin. <laughs> She's up there howling. Yeah. That's good. Right. So I wanted to talk about Towns Van Zent. Have you guys heard of him? No. Okay, so yes, he, you might have heard about him, right? Yeah, like I know the I know the name. I just couldn't. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm not gonna. So, I, I was gonna do like a guess, but nah, I'd rather not. So for me, it, it's somebody I, I've like. I, I can't say like I've 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 barely like. Within the past year, I started listening more to his music, right? So it's not like if it's been like a lifelong influence, right? But I do remember, I like the year two was it was the year two thousand seven, you know. Just come back to that time. <laughs> I think it was the year of the song Umbrella. Yes. Uh, was it really? No, I, th- no? I think so. I'm 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 totally guessing the year of one. Let's sorry? let's see, Umbrella. Oh, by dude. Rihanna. Uh, sh- 2008. I... Uh, she wasn't that far off. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Wow. 2008? 2008. Holy crap. Anywho. Dude. Wow. So it was around the year of Umbrella. So we can call it the year of Umbrella. Uh, the Umbrella years? The Umbrella years. <laughs> um, I had bought the CD. Uh, that's how old, how long ago I had bought a CD. Um, and it was a great album. It was uh, Robert Plant and Alison Krauss. And they had done like this whole bluegrass kind of like folksy album. And uh, this was the time where I was just like buying random CDs. Like, hey, this looks cool. I'm going to fucking go listen to it, you know? Mm-hmm. But I had bought that one. And there was one song on there called, it was called Nothing. Without, without the G. Nothing. And like, like it, it was a cover. Like a lot of those songs were covered. They even actually covered a Tom Waits song on, on, that, on that album. But there wasn't called nothing on there. It was like I heard it, and like they, they redid it to a way where it sounds like so much like it, it's its own thing, right? Uh, but I remember hearing the song, and I was like, "Holy shit, these lyrics are, are haunting!" 
And uh, like I'll, I'll read uh, 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 like the first, the first verse. Like, hey, mama, when you leave, don't leave a thing behind. I can't use nothing. Take care into the hall. And if you see my friends, tell them I'm fine. I'm not using nothing. Almost burned out my eyes, threw my ears down to the floor. I didn't see nothing. I didn't hear nothing. You know, and like I, I look back at the, at the credits, it's like written by Towns Van Zant, and I'm like, okay, whatever. And like, never really dove more into it. But as I, I kind of like been on this kind of folksy country kick lately, um, and I kind of found him again, and he's kind of like considered like a, a cult figure. A cult figure in music, you know, like he's known as a songwriter, songwriter kind of dude, where um, a lot of people like were are like, if you don't know him, you've probably heard his music at some or maybe somebody cover his songs at, at some oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. respect, you know, it was recently I found out that Nora Jones covered one of his songs too. Mm-hmm. Nora Jones and you had like Emmylou Harris covering some of her stuff. Uh, Willie Nelson covered one of his most famous songs. Um, See, but, I had a yeah. I I I was gonna when you said Van Sant, uh huh. Like <clears throat> the first thing that popped into my head was Lennon Skinner. Was oh, one yeah, of them I named think, Van Sant? I think you're thinking is it Ronnie Van Sant? See, now I don't know. No, yeah, Ronnie Van Sant from uh, Leonard Skinner. Okay, so the, but no, they they weren't related. Okay, okay, got it, got it. Well, see, good thing I didn't make a guess. Did he die in an airplane crash? Hey, this- this is mm-hmm. how you learn, though. That's how you learn. You exactly. You fail. You, you ask the wrong questions, and then you get the right answers. <laughs> and you try again. <laughs> um, so this guy, like, is essentially, like, he's like known as as this sort of like songwriter that is very influential, you know, um, but also not very well known generally. Generally considered, like I said, a cool musician. So some of my my. Uh, and I, 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 I fall in love with this fucking songwriting. It, it's phenomenal, you know? Um, of course, you know, it's fucking Towns Van Zandt. You know, like, I wouldn't be the first one to say his songwriting is phenomenal. Steve Earle, another singer-songwriter, and also he was one of his closest friends, uh, would say, he's like, yeah, like, I'll stand on Bob Dylan's coffee table with my cowboy boots on and, and yell out that, you know, Towns is the best songwriter. And, like, yeah, like and it's one of those things, like, I'm pretty sure Bob Dylan would be like, yeah, it's cool. Uh, yeah, exactly. Him, him walking off with his three hundred million. Uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, so my my uh, sources this time were um, uh, the, the the reason why I kind of had you, I asked you guys if we could delay recording because I I ordered this documentary called "Be Here to Love Me," uh, which is uh, a, a documentary that's done kind of like a simpler way instead of like a narrator telling you Towns was born. This you know it's like pretty much. Everybody telling everybody who knew him telling talking about Towns Van Zant. So I got that one. It was a pain in the ass to find. I found it on eBay for like twenty five bucks. It's only like they knew it was like seventy or something. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So well, but, I mean that's that, yeah. And and I do recommend watching it. It's it's a really great documentary. I didn't feel great after watching because it, it is generally a sad story, right? But it, it is a really good documentary. And of course, you know Wikipedia. He was born uh, John Towns Van Zant on March seventh, nineteen forty-four, in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, family was wealthy, um, and generally, like like from from like the family that came out in the documentary, he was described as having like a pretty good home life. You know, like people like he he wasn't like necessarily like 
they, they weren't poor like it, from what came out that he wasn't necessarily like abused or anything like that you know mm-hmm. uh so he had like a pretty good upbringing so so they say he he was a generally like a, a very athletic person so he he had a decent home life um there's a one interesting story that they did tell in the documentary where they're saying um uh that that there was a, a fad at that year like that the people took to sniffing glue so he really took to it more than all his other peers kind of showing already kind of like his inclination towards um you know some, some stuff. the hard stuff exactly so in 1956 at around age 12 his, his dad gave him a, a guitar and that's when he started learning how to play you know and he, he would say in, in, in the documentary that he there was just one point where he really enjoyed um he played in class and he got some attention and he's like, Oh shit, I kind of like this. You know, he said like Elvis was kind of an influence to him. He's like, Oh, he must have all like all the people after him. And he has all the nice cars and shit like that, whatever. Uh, but you know, like, like, I guess a lot of that was like, is, is like Elvis and, you know, kind of like seeing how people saw him after he played, uh, was, was an influence, <laughs> but generally a good student, you know, um, too, he was, he was a pretty good student. His parents were kind of trying to like, push him to law, you know, to be like some sort of like lawmaker or stuff like that. Um, but politi- exactly a Senator, uh, like, uh, <laughs> shit like that. And, um, and, uh, yeah, like that, that's essentially what they were kind of like pushing him towards, uh, did pretty well in school, you know? So eventually like they moved around a lot cause of the dad's job. The dad was like some sort of lawyer. So he ended up living in, he, he was eventually accepted to the University of Colorado at Boulder in 1962. He, he was like in the second year, in spring of the second year, his parents flew to Boulder to bring him back to Houston because they were worried about his binge drinking and his depression. He would get episodes of depression. And um, there's a one story in the documentary that I'm probably going to be saying that a lot as we go through this. Um, yeah. But they, they mentioned that he was on top of a, like at a party, you know, just fucking drinking and he was on the like on the balcony and he was kind of leaning over the balcony and he kind of fell off like three or four stories right on his fucking back. What? Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Like wait, he did it on purpose. He did it on purpose because he said that he wanted to get that feeling how it was just he wanted to feel the feeling of what it was just to almost like fall off. But he said the only way he could do that was to actually fall off. Fall off. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. So people are like, what the fuck? Like, even in the in the documentary, they show like, oh, yeah, that's the building where Towns fell off, like, the fucking, you know, that's the balcony where he fell off the thing. And, yeah, like, from the the, the friends around him at the time, like, yeah, there was a lot of drinking. There was a lot of, uh, yeah, just a lot of partying, you know? Did nothing happen yeah. to him? Like, did he go to a hospital? Did he? I mean, he's, they, they, they kind of just walked over that and he was kind of fine but i think that's one of the reasons why his family was like we gotta get you get the fuck out of here you know so he was admitted to like the ut branch of a mental hospital in in galveston and um he was diagnosed with uh at the time called manic depression now we know it is bipolar right and he was treated with uh like a now like an unused form of, of of therapy called insulin shock therapy yeah it's always shocked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always shocked. Yeah. I know, yeah. So I, I brought up something where it's like to, to kind of like show like a little <clears throat> description. And it's a form of psychiatric treatment in which patients were repeatedly injected with large doses of insulin in order to produce daily comas over several weeks. Um, 
I mean, it's, 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 yeah, like it does not sound cool, like, obviously, like this is what's shown as like Sylvia Plath's bell jar. You know, that's the therapy where that they, mm. that the character received in the book. And I think Sylvia Plath received it too, but I'm not sure. Um, I, I don't Poss- know. I probably, I wouldn't doubt it. She, she had her own, you know, mental health issues. Um, point is that like it, it fucked him up, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but basically it ended up causing him long, like his, his, it affected his long-term memory to which in the documentary, they said it kind of erased a large part of his, of his childhood to, to like, he just didn't remember it. And he said that he, he could kind of recall the words, but he had no images when people told him stories about him when he was young, he almost felt like that there were other people's stories like that. He, he had no connection to them. So it's really kind of like this weird you know, like, like blank, like he, like, of course there's things he remembers, things he, he doesn't, but it says a large part of it was kind of like, just almost like <clears throat> excised out of his fucking mind. Yeah. If that's the proper word. And you know, he continued to like, and like later they say that the, 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 the sister says that that was one of her, their, their mother's like biggest regrets having to put towns through that, you know, shock therapy. But yeah, like that's essentially what happened. But, I mean, he, he continued through life. And in 1965, he was accepted to the University of Houston's pre-law program. He even tried joining the Air Force, but was rejected because of a doctor's uh, diagnosis that labeled him a, quote-unquote, uh, an acute maniac depressive who has made minimal adjustments to life. So during that time, he would just be spending it, you know, like listening to music and like kind of trying to take guitar more seriously, kind of just diving himself more into that. But in 67, he quits music. He quit school to pursue music full time, you know? Um, um, do you know how his parents felt about that? About the, the they, they didn't about, really say about him uh, quitting. Uh-huh. I mean, they, they didn't really mention it in the documentary, mm. but I think a lot of it was, I'm not sure if they just kind of felt like because during this time, you know, he he went and got married, so they still supported him, you know. Yeah. He he got married to his first wife, and they the parents would pay. Well, his parents would pay their rent, and his parents would pay his um his car bill, and all they had to do was to work money to 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 buy food and for fun. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So during that time. Like yeah, so in, in that sense, he he was doing okay. So so in in that way, he um he would go out and play at this place called Jester's in Houston. I think it was Houston, um, and that's how he would make like he'd make like ten bucks a show or something like that, mm-hmm. and that's how he started making money for him and his first wife. And that was just like the the, the very early like I think he played ten bucks per night, and then he would that's pretty much how he would make the money. But he he would essentially you know start traveling you know spending time in texas then time in colorado then time in 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 nashville kind of like as he started kind of like becoming more musician because he decided to kind of like just go for it like full on and as he did obviously it caused him to pretty much abandon his first wife you know yeah so yeah so not good (laughs) um but between those years, between 68 and 73, it was mo- more of a, like his, his really like hardworking time. He released six albums. He released For the Sake of the Song, Our Mother of the Mountain, Towns Van Zandt, uh, self-titled, uh, Delta Mama Blues, High, Low, and In Between, and The Late Great Towns Van Zandt. And some of the songs that were written were like To Live is to Fly, Poncho and Lefty, uh, which was one of his uh, 
kind of like a like a, a, a little ballad uh, that that was became one of his more famous songs that was covered uh, essentially by Emmylou Harris and by uh, Willie Nelson later on. <clears throat> also released "If I Needed You," um, and these songs eventually like were the ones that made him like, oh shit, this guy's like a good songwriter. But people were like, oh, like, like who, who the fuck is this guy? In 72, he started working on an album called Seven Come Eleven, but it would remain unreleased for years because of a producer, of a, of a, of a fight between his manager and the producer. Uh, so, like, those kind of tapes were just kind of, like, you know, like, left there. So, he was also featured on this documentary called The Heartworn Highways, and that's what, um, it has a bunch of, like, different musicians, but the, like the, that document I had had that like towns section and he's just, you know, hanging around and like people expected him to be like, Oh, this big time country singer or this big time folk singer. But he, he was living in a trailer home in Austin and he was just like, it shows him like just kind of hanging out with friends, you know, fucking boozing it up and playing with guns. And then, you know, hanging out with this dog, Geraldine and shit and his second wife, Cindy. Um, that, but that was just the most Southern, like, that's the most southernmost Texan, like it, right. <laughs> playing with his dog, shooting whiskey, playing guns in Austin, Texas. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, like the most uh, Geraldine, a dog named Geraldine, um, <laughs> with and with the second wife. Like that's how I kind of like lived. You know, he was very like. I'm not sure because he never got made too much money, or if he kind of just would spend it as he made it. But he kind of just lived a very, you know. It's like normal life, you know. He wasn't over here, you know, playing big ass, sold out, sold out rooms. You know, he'd be playing small, intimate shows most of his yeah. life. Um, so about the mid seventies, he his friend um, <clears throat> Steve uh, Steve Earl like got him a cabin. Like he's like, hey, I got this line on this cabin. You can live there, but it has no water, no electricity. And tells him like, fuck yeah, like, like I want to do this. He 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 started living there and like. You know, Steve Earle talks about a certain point that he was visiting him there. He was, like, hanging out with him. And that uh, Towns had this old gun, you know, like, it's like an old cowboy gun that would, like, spin, right? With the thing. I don't know guns, obviously. A revolver, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, and that he loaded with a bullet and he gets it and Towns points it at his own head and, like, pulls the trigger. Like, almost playing, you know, Russian roulette with him with himself. And then, like... Uh-huh. Earl, Steve Earl's looking at him like, first of all, like, why the fuck would you want to do that to yourself? And second of all, like, if you even cared about me, you wouldn't be doing that in front of me. Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, he, he was, obviously, he was pissed for a while uh, after doing that, you know? So pretty much that was like his time throughout the 70s. You know, he switched managers. He, you know, kept trying to do the, the, the kept trying to, to get the thing going. And um, it, it was until the 80s that he started, like, like uh, Emmy Lou Harris, like had covered "If I Needed You," so he actually, you know, made some some like a little bit of money off of that. Well, Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard, you know, that they, they were recording one night, and you know, Merle had already gone to bed, and Willie was there chilling with his daughter, and she's like, "Oh, wait one second, I'm gonna go get this tape so you can hear this song, and you guys should cover this song for this album," and they covered "Pancho and Lefty." Um, and it like made it to number one on the, the country charts in 1983, which gave, you know, a little bit more rise to, to Towns Van Zandt as, as a known as a, obviously a, as a, as a country writer, you know, uh, and 
and yeah. he started recording less frequently because uh, he he his, his drug addiction his alcoholism started affecting the way he was you know singing and stuff like that <clears throat> yeah there's a story that i found on, on on wikipedia that says that supposedly that bob dylan did admire him and that they did hang out once or twice but he didn't like the fact that he was a, a celebrity so he kind of like like he he, he would kind of just stay away from that because he he yeah he didn't really care about you know the celebrity part of it but he, he was you know addicted to heroin and alcohol throughout most of his life he would get pretty wasted on stage and forget the lyrics and um you know like like at one point for he he offered his producer like the publishing rights to all the songs for the first four albums for 20 bucks just to you know get money for to to, to, to shoot up you know he says that like it even says that some of his friends would shoot him would saw him shoot up uh coke and vodka as well as a mixture of rum and coke and i'm just thinking like what the fuck like fuck, all that i can't imagine shooting that shit up you know sounds, yeah yeah like just like he was pretty heavy uh-huh he, he, he talks about how he would uh put airplane glue and he'd get it on this thing and just put it in his mouth and go to sleep so he can go to sleep smelling the, <laughs> oh the glue and uh to the point where what, he, what, what is airplane glue airplane i think just little glue used on airplanes yeah, like I think it's just literally like, like highly like potent glue, you know. And yeah, he said yeah. he lost some of his front yeah, front yeah. teeth that way, and that he pretty much had OD'd, you know, and died for a little bit. What That's what he says in the, in the documentary. What the fuck? Okay. Yeah, and you see this man; he's like a like a, a tall, thin man, and you're like, what the fuck? And like, you, this is stories you hear from like, you know, Motley Crue's The Dirt, you know, but. I mean, obviously, country has their own, yeah. you know, their own crazies, not their own lore. crazies, but their own, maybe we should edit out crazies, but their own lore. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he has his own lore, you know, there's this great show. If you guys ever watch it, it's, um, it's made by Mike Judge, I think. And they do, oh, uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know which one, right? They, they do like, kind of like, they, they talk about old rock and roll stories. Again, I'm blanking on the name. Like I've been blanking on names the whole <laughs> Time. <laughs> let me let me see something, oh uh tales from the tour bus stories very good tell there yeah and uh like i know they have a series on country musicians but i haven't seen it but i've seen the ones where they talk about p-funk and prince yeah. and exactly yeah that's someone I've james made. brown and then they're great you should check them out whenever you get a chance yeah and it's mike judge you know who doesn't like mike judge anyway so throughout the 90s he continued he, he was his, his you know output went down but uh, there's this one point in this documentary where uh, Steve Shelley, um, the drummer from Sonic Youth, he was talking that he was in Nashville and he missed a flight. <clears throat> and um, he had somehow gotten Towns Van Zandt's number. And he was like, fuck it, fuck it. I missed my flight. I'm not going to be leaving until way later. Let me call up town, see if I can, you know, I can just talk to him. This guy's a big hero of mine. So through that, Steve Shelley says, like, hey, man, how about we record an album? Let's, let's do a fucking album. I'll, I'll put you guys, I'll put you on my fucking record label and we'll get another fucking Towns Van Zandt album. Van Towns is like, yeah, let's fucking do it, you know? Um, Just casually. And <laughs> It sounds so casual. It, right? He made it sound so casual. But I mean, at this point, to be honest, he really wasn't doing much, you know? It's not like he was going to be a PR on, on Johnny Carson or anything like that. Mm -hmm. He was just kind of hanging out. Uh, and this was well, not Johnny Carson. This is '96, so Jay Leno was he around there by that time? Leno, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We know yeah. what you meant. 
Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow, 96. So, I mean, he lived a good while like that. Yeah. And, you know, obviously he'd do little shows here and there. He'd come out, like, on the show. That was, like, one of the scenes that they showed was him playing in front of the Alamo. Like, I guess a show that was filmed in San Antonio uh, mm. for, like, country musicians or something like that. And he's, he's going up there and playing some of his songs. So he would do kind of, like, little stuff like that, you know, maybe some private parties here and there. But he wasn't too busy, you know. He wasn't over here playing Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, and it clearly, it, it obviously wasn't his, um, it wasn't his jam, really. Exactly, yeah. He wasn't over here like, uh, what the fuck is his name? Chris Gaines, the the, the person that, the, the alter ego of Chris Gaines. Fucking, the Thunder Rolls. Uh, I have no idea. Oh, God, I'm blanking the name so much. I am uh, so lost. I am uh, so lost right now. I can't remember. I remember his fucking alter ego. Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks is Chris Gaines. Oh, shit. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, like he's not he's not playing like Garth Brooks level shit. That's what I was referring to. Yeah, like you know, the, but everybody knew who he was. Well, not everybody, a lot of people in those, you know, people knew who he was. Right, yeah. Um so basically what happens is that the day he's supposed to go record, he uh, Van Zant falls out of the the stairs in his home and he fucks up his hip. <clears throat> and he's lying outside for a while until like his wife finally found him and they they you know, he shows up to the he refused medical treatment, they took him back to home, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was determined to finish the album but he's finishing the album he's just fucking just drinking like fucking crazy you know and it gets to the point where the the guy the steve shelley the, the producer he's like fuck you're just getting bad he's like oh you know towns like hey like i think we got enough you know because he was obviously it wasn't like the session wasn't going great you know so he's like yeah. I, I, I think i have to pull the plug on this you know fuck it only took like 30 years well for someone to like bring it up i guess Oh, oh yeah, and exactly, and like he said that there was points, you know, they they have interviews with this with his son, and he's like, yeah, Towns was the kind of guy that he would hurt you the way the worst way that he knew how to hurt you, but with his words, you know. Mm-hmm. And then later he'd show up like, hey man, this is just such a son of a bitch, this 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 thing, you know. He knew he had a, a problem with alcohol, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on, let me point out here. Da da da. So you know, finally Van Zandt agreed to to go to the hospital. Um, and you know, since some time had passed, you know, they did some extras and they, they, he had a femoral neck fracture in his, in his hip and they were done some, some several surgeries were done on him to, to, to fix his hip up. And the doctor was like, oh yeah, you know, towns came out of this, like fine. However, the thing was that detoxing him was, that's when it started, obviously, you know, cause he was by that point, like already a, a late term alcoholic. And by the time he got out of it, out of the um, out of the the operation, you know, he was kind of like there, and he already had what DT, like the delirious tremens, like the, the shakes. Oh so yeah, I, and he had them pretty bad. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say that I've only seen it on one person one time, and it's so like uncomfortable. Well, I shouldn't say uncomfortable, but it's like so just to see just to see a person that just had like that can't function necessarily. Mm-hmm. That their body needs the alcohol so much that their body's like not yeah, running well yeah. without and then it. It's just, I don't know. I like I said, I don't want to say uncomfortable. That's the only thing that I can think about to like explain it. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure like it, it's something that's like a little unnerving to to witness, right? Mm-hmm. But 
what do you call it? So, so essentially, like, since he was having that, the, the, the doctor's like, you know, he's going to have a better chance of recovering if he stays here, you know? <clears throat> if he stays in the hospital. But the they, they checked him out of the hospital against the medical advice. And, you know, even on the way home, they refused to prescribe him any painkillers because they're like, he's going to go drink as soon as he leaves. And, yeah, true enough, you know, on the way home to, 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 to his house, they, 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 they were... They were already giving him some vodka and he was like, oh, okay, well, it's, it's wearing off. Kind of like, you know, balancing him out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, and then he became lucid and he finally kind of came, came back a little bit to, to normal or to his normal, so to speak. And that he was in a pretty good mood calling friends on the phone. Um, and that um, it, it pretty much like the son from his, like, I think this is his fourth marriage or something like that. Um, told him like... Like he, he Towns called him was like, "Hey, you, you, um, like I love you, son. You know, whatever." And the and the son was like, tells his mom's like, "You need to check on him. Dad doesn't look too good, you know." Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, the the the, the son was like, he kind of looked like he would like stop breathing and looked at and he called his mom and she tried to perform CPR, CPR, and uh, was you know trying to wake him up, but. He, he didn't make it, you know, like he, he died of a, what they call nat- natural cardiac arrhythmia because of, I think of the, the late stage alcoholism. Yeah. Um, there was two services held for, for towns, one in Texas, mostly for family and another one in Nashville attended by friends, acquaintances, fans. And some of his ashes planes underneath a headstone at the Van Zant family plot at Dido, um, the Dido cemetery in, in Dido, Texas near Fort Worth. There we go. But he he's a like he has some great songs and even some of his covers are great. You know he covered uh, that song uh, "Dead Flowers" by the Rolling Stones that came out in um, they, they use it at the end of, of, of the Big Lebowski. Um, but what else? I know they use it in another in another movie. But yeah, essentially, like he's one of those guys that's like a phenomenal songwriter that that had a lot of heart and a, a, a lot of pain too in his own way but you see all these people that come out in the documentary they're like oh yeah like he's like this is the one guy you know you you even have um chris christopherson you know another uh, another famous country musician talking was like yeah like i remember hearing you know those opening lines you know like your 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 breath like kerosene like like oh man like that that that, that hits home with some of his you know skin like iron and, and breath like kerosene some of his lines were like really poetic and um yeah really great and a guy like i said who lived a, a tough life a, a lot of the things were done by his own making but he also like you know lived with you know bipolar with mental health issues and his uh his health issues in terms of like his, his alcoholism and, and struggles with addiction um and, and like you know there's a, there's a couple of songs like I mean like that one like Be Here to Love Me that's a great song that feels more traditionally country but you listen to it it's like oh shit this is like a really sad song or you uh, they even ask him like in the in, in one of the interviews and he kind of looks like he's kind of tired of answering the song but he's all like he's like why are your songs why are your songs all sad and like he's like well like it's not necessarily that they're, they're sad it's just like that's just how I write those are like the, that's life and shit like that um, but. He's one of those dudes that has influenced so many people, and some people might not even know it, like myself, you know? Uh-huh. Didn't know, like, oh, shit, that's a Tom Van Sant song, you know? No, it's, yeah, um, yeah, because it's, like, it's, like, third, third-hand kind of, kind of deal. Exactly. Um, but, yes, uh, check out uh, some, some, some of his, like, I can say, like, Rake, 
uh, R-A-K-E, Rake is a, is a great song. So, oh, Waiting Around to Die is, is another super sad song that's great. It's amazing. Um, if I Needed You, Poncho and Lefty. Um, that one sounds familiar. I've never heard it, but like the name sounds familiar. Which one? That last one. Pa- oh, Poncho and Lefty. Lefty. I'm pretty sure, like, that, like I said, that's one of the ones that like hit number one single when it was covered by other people. Uh, but it, it's a good song. It's a very good song. Um, it, it's hard to, to like, I, like uh, Black Widow Blues is a great one too. Has like this really great upfeel. It's great harmonica part in it. But yes, go listen to Towns Van Zandt and uh, see what you think. Yeah. I think you'll enjoy. I, I, I've, I've been enjoying the fuck out of it. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, me talking about Towns. Hell yeah, I, I don't know. He was he went that part back. Yeah, I, I mean. He, he was around for a good while, probably like his biggest years, probably like the late 60s, early 70s. But I mean, you know, he, he died at the, I, I think, really young at the age of 52. Uh, yeah. In 1997. Yeah, that's pretty young. You know. Yeah. 50, I mean, yeah, in, in like right now, my, my parents are older and I still consider him really young, you know, so he died pretty young. And you can you can see him in interviews and. You can see that the effect it took on him. It, it's one of those things where when you see him, it's you're like, oh, he looks way older than he actually is. By the end of his life, he was like, you know, long gray hair and already kind of, you know, pretty worn down. But it's just like, fuck, that guy lived like, like that shit takes a, took a big toll on him, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely his songwriting is where you see this, 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 you know. I don't know, like, it, it, you, you, like there, there's one story in the documentary where, like, the guy, uh, one of his uh, second, um, his second uh, for a bit, his uh, manager, who's actually the grandson of the of that music historian that went around Lomax, Alan Lomax, is that his name? Um, oh yeah, yeah. They went yeah, around, yeah. yeah. He like the, basically that guy was like the manager. His Lomax was his grandfather or some shit like that. But he managed the towns for a bit, and that he opened up a, a fan club. He's like, fuck, let's do a Towns Van Zandt fan club. And he put an ad in Rolling Stone and shit. And they they got flooded with letters from like all over the world where they're like, oh, yeah, like this helped me with my times when I'm down or like people from Europe, from Australia, from Asia, all over the world. Like, what the fuck? We didn't realize he was like this, this liked and appreciated. It's just like, you know, like sometimes sometimes it does feel like like you're just sitting there and like you're like, fuck, man, I feel like I should be like this having a glass of whiskey listening to this song or something like that. Uh-huh. But definitely very beautiful, beautiful, beautiful songwriting. Dang, I, I had never... I, I think I've heard his name. I just didn't know anything about him. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like like this, it was the same for me. You know, like I said, like I had heard this name a long time ago. And, you know, and I'm like, Tom Van Zandt, who the fuck is that? And like never followed up until recently that kind of like fell back into it. It's like, oh, this song's like, like I, I love the covers of him that people do, but um, some of his like stuff is pretty pretty uh, bare minimum in terms of like instrumentation. It's it's a lot of just vocals and guitar. There's some songs that actually have a little bit more. Some will have like a little bit of trumpet here and there. Uh, so maybe like some light congas and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's 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 all like in service of the lyrics and the story he's telling and stuff like that. But yep. So if you're listening out there, you haven't heard Towns Van Zandt, go listen to Towns Van Zandt. And it's, it's pretty fucked up. You know, it's, it's his son. It reminded me of his son from his first marriage. 
you know, he was kind of just hanging out and he's listening to the radio and he hears like, uh, he's, they put on a, one of the, the, the songs. He's like, oh, they're playing some towns on the radio. That's cool. And then he plays another one. It's like, oh, I guess it must be like a two for Tuesday, some kind of deal. And then they play another one. And it's like the third one. And then, and then he's like, something happened to my dad. Like, I don't know what the fuck. Oh, my you know, God. That's how he kind of like oh, found out. Oh, no. Yeah. And like you have like his wow. other. Um, exactly. You have his other kids saying, it's like, yeah, like I go to sleep every night listening to his records. You know, like that, that's that's a way I can feel closer to him. And you, they show his daughter. Who like at the time of filming that it was like obviously like a little girl she's like oh like she doesn't remember much of, of towns but you'll see her there and she's kind of just sitting around dancing listening to one of his dad's songs and you're like fuck like or they show like his last wife she's kind of sitting there like smoking a cigarette and like they're listening to a, like a towns record and she like knows it like every fucking word and you're like fuck like like that that's like the last connection that they have to him but uh-huh. obviously like I mean, I mean, of course, with any musician, right? Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know why that one seemed to hit a little, a little harder. But if you guys ever want to borrow the documentary, just let me know. I'll send it right over. It's, it's a great little documentary. Yeah. And I say that because it's kind of hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. No, that's good. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, now go and listen to him. <laughs> don't confuse him with uh, <laughs> scared guy. Free bird. <laughs> Play Freebird. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, not the Leonard Skinner guy. Okay, Mars. We should we, we we should have a section where the person that doesn't have a report has to like okay, so what <laughs> you learned today? <laughs> oh. Yeah, what did you learn today? <laughs> Pop quiz. <laughs> In what year well, was <laughs> You know, I'm actually not opposed to that, except I missed most of yours, Carlos, because I have to leave. So, (laughs) (laughs) no, no, I'm just messing with you. No, no, it's 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 uh, I don't know, storytelling is the word, but you know, it's like a loose conversation, a loose conversation, educational thing, (laughs) (laughs) semi educational. We, yeah, we try yeah. our best. We do our best oh, here. Yeah. I think we do a pretty good job, right? I think right? so. See my best. Made best. from real gorilla chest. It's <laughs> gorilla chest. <laughs> you haven't seen that one? <coughs> no, no, Mr. I haven't. Burns. He has all these vests made of... Santa's little helper is, had puppies and he's trying oh, to. Oh, that's right. It's like a, it's like a yeah, Devil yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of situation. Uh, yeah, it's like yes, a, yeah, yeah like a exactly. one-on-one Dalmatians. Exactly. That's a that, man. This, some of those Simpsons songs are, like, everlasting. I need to go. I mean, they're all on on Disney Plus, right? Yeah. I need to go back and watch. We've them. been watching them. Oh, nice. We've been watching them, except we've been going backwards. Okay. From like. Yeah, mainly because I haven't been, I haven't kept up with them. So, since, ooh, since what, two thousand eight? Yeah, like once in a while, yeah, like we'll, we'll, what, I would watch them, but then I would watch like an episode or, or two. What's supposed to be the golden years of that show? Like which seasons? Like three, four? Or... I yeah. think it depends on who you ask. But honestly. I, I think um, it's. Um, I think it's supposed to be from three to. From... This, this, Seven or nine? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, I think it's more like seven. 
because I've heard a lot of people say that the episode, like the the you line the was drawn, where the episode where Skin, where Skinner uh, comes out as the Tanzanian. Oh yeah, yeah. Tanzanian. I don't know if you remember that episode, but like, he, apparently Skinner is playing the role of the actual Seymour Skinner, and his actual name oh, is Tanzanian. Yeah, Tanzanian. yeah. Tanzanian, there we go. Tanzanian. I'm like, like, like the country. Tanzanian, yeah. Well, I, I uh, Tasmanian. I heard that the that the golden years were when Phil Hartman was in it, mm-hmm. and I didn't know much about Phil Hartman until actually, till till I, I mean, listened yeah. to Do Go On, which you recommended a long mm-hmm. time ago. That's a sad story with Phil Hartman, man. Yeah, it's it is so it's really a sad. That was the uh, the guy that by got murdered by his wife or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Holy shit! Yeah, man. so <laughs> I because I, I, I think he was he he was introduced into the show like in like on the third season, I think. Who who did he voice? Was it was it McClure? It until, and the lawyer? Yeah, lawyer. and the uh, lawyer. Uh, God damn it! I forget, dude. I'm blanking on <laughs> those names. Are the, those so are the two much. main ones, though. I'm I'm sure he voiced other yeah other character. Oh, the 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 Scorpio, uh, Scorpio, the boss, the really cool boss. Yes, and the um uh monorail guy. Monorail, monorail. monorail. Yeah. Did you know? Did you know Conan wrote that? Song? Yes. That would not yes, surprise me. Oh, Brian. But isn't that also like another metric for that? Like. Oh, when was Conan on the show? Like that that was also when it was supposed to be really funny. He wasn't there that long. He wasn't there that long, right? He's like a but yeah, that's what he I hear. Got, he got late late night like in ninety three or ninety four or something like that. Oh shit. Oh, so he wasn't he wasn't really in it then. Like he wasn't that yeah, in, no. in that much then. Mm-mm. No, not that long. Probably like two seasons. Oh maybe shit. three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because eighty nine. That was the first one. So, I used to know so much about The Simpsons and <laughs> so much useless facts. Chad, Chad, Chad just tells me that the latest episodes are are good. He says really? he says that they're not as good as you know like the the OG ones, yeah. but he's like, but they're better than than the two the two thousands ones. You, oh, you know what I think it is is and and, and I think. And I think Eddie was the one that brought it up. Is the fact that like probably a lot of the writers are probably like our age right now. I, 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 oh, that's a good point. That's a that's a assumption. Yes, that's a guess. Yes, but I mean, but I could see it because like I get a lot of the humor. I get more of the humor in a way. Dude, but I mean, I don't because, dude, I was a kid. I was like, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve years old. <laughs> And I used to love them, dude. Like, yeah, it was the best. Yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best. Yeah, me too. And I, and I never get. I probably didn't get ninety percent of the jokes, dude. Uh, but uh, yeah, my favorite. I guess my favorites are uh, Bart doing the the April Fool's prank with putting the beer on the paint. <laughs> Mixer, <laughs> yeah. but like not even because when I say that people think 
think I mean the the part where where uh, Wiggum is like uh, whatever you know like t- see I don't even know the the, the line but like ten four uh, blah 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 pretzels pretzels we need pretzels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not even that part. I just love the April April That's the part I love. And then uh, Sideshow Bob, the the whole episode with where it's the 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 plot of that movie. I forgot the movie name again. God oh, damn it! Um, um, uh, um, Cape Fear, Cape Fear. Oh, oh. Uh. <laughs> I love I love when he hits himself with the with the Rake. rakes. Yeah, uh, uh. <laughs> I love that dude. That's probably like my. Those two are like in my mind forever. I, I need to go and actually watch because, like, I, I feel like I, my 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 knowledge of the Simpsons is very spot and like I've seen like, oh, I know like oh the grill, I know that, but I don't know like obviously like the, the Cape Fear reference and stuff like that. Um, There's so. But many. yeah, I need to go so back and, and watch some of them. Dude. Yeah. Freaking! Who wants to drive through the cactuses? Yay! <laughs> no. <laughs> that that's that's the recommendation like from all three of us go watch the si- go watch the simpsons the simpsons if you haven't yeah <laughs> and if you have just fucking do it again and enjoy it oh exactly. hell yeah like i might do that during dinner <laughs> watch 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 the simpsons that's what we've been doing we've been doing that for like a month now nice usually when we eat we'll just like put it on well, that was that was good. Sorry that I'm I, I'm I'll I'll uh. It'll be a nice surprise to hear you know when I edit. All, all we did was talk shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, no, but that was good. That was a cool. Um. Well, I just wanted to say you know thanks for listening. Or we I guess we wanted to say thank you for listening. Um. We appreciate it. Yeah, it's nice when, you know, nice to, it'd be nice. Well, it'll be nice to hear feedback. What, you know, whatever. Um, exactly. I've been trying. We'll get them. Yeah. One day, one day. We'll get them. We'll, we'll get hey, You guys suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we'll frame it. No, that'll, that'll, be, we'll the, frame it. that'll be the epitome. <laughs> that'll be the epitome too. like, once we get the <laughs> you suck comment, it's like, okay, I guess we made it somehow <laughs> exactly so we look forward to any any uh, comments and if like, again there's any suggestions you know drop a message on the instagram uh yeah but thank you like i said thanks for listening i was trying to think of a send-off i couldn't i i, I only came up with one and i only i only thought of it because we thought we said it at the in the last episode but how do y'all i don't know how y'all feel about it till the end my dear uh, it's nice. I'm good. Right. Why not? Right. Sure. T- you know, uh, Tony's not very convinced. I don't feel like he's very. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm all aboard. I'm all aboard. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I couldn't. I, I just, I just. I mean, we can always workshop it. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think it's a good like starting we're point. Married to it. Exactly. Like we're married to it. No, we're just, we're just going out, at the moment. Just casually, you know. Casually, casually. Waters. Friends with benefits with it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, 
Uh, yeah, so till the end, my dear. Good. I like it. Huzzah. All right. There it is. <laughs>